Thank you, ladies. Really appreciate that. I have a couple of announcements to share with you before we get into our message this morning. One is to just to update you to watch your email and, and uh, uh, your, the website for updates in reference to when the church will be able to meet uh, face-to-face again, person-to-person, and uh, we'll try to keep you updated there. Uh, also, we are working our way through the Bible in a year uh, in a reading program. And if you are interested in participating that, on that, uh, on our church website through the blog, we have a link to where you can get the outline for the readings. So uh, feel free to, to join us in that. And as we're doing that, we're going to preach uh, a message from each week of the readings, uh, some one particular scripture out of that uh, group. And so today we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, the Ten Commandments. Let's pray as we go into God's Word. Father, we thank You so much that we have Your Word. And I just think of the song that we just listened to, that Your your Word is a lamp unto my feet, and a guide unto my path. Lord, we look to You and, and thank You and ask that through Your Holy Spirit You would open our hearts this morning to Your Word, to understanding, and to applying it, Lord. And again, we thank You and worship You for the grace that You have bestowed on us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Before we actually go to Exodus chapter 20, where we have the Ten Commandments, we also, you can find that in Deuteronomy chapter 5, I'd like to read uh, from Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water and that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And this idea of prospers is that he pleases God in all that he does. And so, uh, as we look at this... Uh, the, the title to this in the uh, English Standard Version is The Way of the Righteous and the Wicked as a title for this psalm. The wise are the righteous, the foolish are the wicked. Uh, and so, as we, we look at this, I wanted to focus on this idea that we meditate on His Word day and night. That we delight in His law. Uh, and where it says He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, it means that He doesn't walk in the counsel of the world or the world's counsel, but he looks to God's Word for his direction. And so, with all of that in mind, we approach the, the Ten Commandments and, and we look at it in Exodus uh, chapter 20. So, let's go to Exodus chapter 20 and uh, share this together. Exodus chapter 20, starting with the first verse. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So right off, God starts with the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. But he's explaining, I am the God who has delivered you. I am the God who has been with you. I am the God who has taken you out of Egypt. And so, I am the one that's come alongside you, ministered to you, taken care of you. 
Uh, I've supplied you with the food. I've supplied you with the water. Uh, I've taken and met every one of your needs. As a result, as, as, as I look at this, you know, he's trying to say now, as your God, you should have no other God before me. Look at me as the one who delivers you, takes care of you, and meets your needs. Shall have no other God before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Commandment 3, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Commandment 4, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Number five, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord has given you. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And number ten, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or a male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. There's the Ten Commandments. In some ways, they are like a uh, table of contents to all the laws that God puts together in, in the first five books of, of the uh, New Testament or the Old Testament. And if you were to add up all the laws, you would come up with over 600 laws that God has had. All of them can be linked back somewhere into the Ten Commandments as to their purpose. So, uh, the Ten Commandments, like I said, stands like a table of contents. I want to look at Jesus' overview of this as, as we proceed. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, uh, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And the response of Jesus is the essence of what I want to share today. But when the Pharisees heard that He had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered, and, and what you need to understand is that they've been coming in groups, the Herodians, the Sadducees, different, trying to get Jesus put on the spot in such a way as to open his mouth and say something that will bring condemnation on him. And so they're asking him questions that they basically would have no answers to or can't answer without offending some group. And so they, and the great commandment was one of the things that they debated frequently. Is it, what's, what's the worst thing that you can do? Or, or what, what's the best thing you can do? And, and, and so they would look at these and, and debate them. 
So when the Pharisees had heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. What Jesus is saying is that between these two commandments, all the laws are summed up together. You either love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and, and that's the idea of the, of the first commandment. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, it, it comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with the fifth verse. Actually, let's go to verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of the house and on your gates. What he was getting at here is, to, is that the, 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 the love of your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and the commandments that God has given, this is so important that you're going to make them the focal point of your life. And then when we get into... Uh, this idea of love your neighbor as yourself, you'll go to Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 through 18, and I won't go there this morning, but it talks about your neighbor and, and on all the things of, uh, that are involved and how to take care of your land in such a way that your neighbors can be uh, ministered to. And so, you have this idea that Jesus comes up with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you look at the Ten Commandments, you can see this pattern. The first four commandments that I read had to do with your relationship with God. You shall have no other God before me. You shall not take my name in vain. The commandments 5 through 10 deal with how you would interact with, with the people around you. The people that would be, if you will, your neighbors. So, the first four commandments deal with a vertical relationship. They deal with our relationship with God. The second four, uh, the second uh, group of commandments, the, the next six, deal with the horizontal relationship, the relationship we have with people here on earth. I was once showed a picture of this, and I, I don't have a way of showing you the picture. I hope that... Uh, I can give it enough graphic here to, to show you, but the idea is that you have a, a post going vertically. This is your relationship with God. You have a post going horizontally. This is your relationship with the people, your neighbors. Okay, And it's fixed in the middle permanently, so it, it, there's no variance in the, the, this. It's, and so if your relationship with God is off, you see what happens your relationship with people go off. If, you know, so if the vertical sways, 
and you're not accurate in that, then your relationship with people will not be at its best either. So the importance of our relationship with God and, and the listing of it first is the reality. That has to be in place for everything else to come together. So without a vertical, the horizontal, it, it just it can't be maintained. So how do you maintain the vertical relationship with God? Well, it says that you have to keep His laws. In fact, we are told by Jesus, and it's also in the Old Testament, that we must be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Or it is stated the other way is, you must be holy as He is holy. A quick look at the the Ten Commandments, just uh, really quick, and then I want to go on with this. First commandment says, no other gods before me. Absolute priority. Now, this is really the idea of no other gods. It's, uh, and anything that we would put in the way of a god uh, that we would uh, idolize in some way, uh, it, it, if you're not putting God first as your priority, you're out of step already. So, no other gods before me. The second one, no images or idols. He says, I am a jealous God. I will not, I, I, I'm not going to share you. Uh, and, and this idea of images or idols isn't necessarily just carved things, but anything that we would put ahead of God in the sense of, of, of lifting up and, and devoting our time to becomes an idol. Your home can become an idol. Your car can be an idol. Uh, your job can be an idol. Uh, there's all sorts of aspects to this. So, you know, God says, I'm not going to share you. I must come first in your life. And then he says, I am a jealous God. What it is is, again, that idea that I, won't, I don't want to share you with anything else. And naturally, you come up with the idea of a question here. Who or what are your idols? that you might hold in devotion more than God. For some people it can be their money. Some people it can uh, be their skills or their abilities uh, to sing or to do different things. Uh, an idol can be just about anything that you can think of that you would put uh, as the number one thing in your idea of what you like to look at, worship, or, or enjoy. We need to enjoy God. In fact, that's what we're told. What is the purpose of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him. He needs to be the number one priority. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. I'm just going to briefly state how often you hear Jesus or Jesus Christ used as a uh, a word of, of frustration or, or a swear word. And a very common phrase, even when it's in its initial form, would be taking the Lord's name in vain. Oh my, oh my God. OMG. I see that online. I see that on the websites. I see it in conversations. And someone says, no, I only mean oh my gosh. Well, that's... that's Parsing things a little thin. 
the idea is that we are not to take the Lord's name in vain. We're not to use it in any way that distracts from His holiness, His awesomeness, the fact that He is number one in our life. To keep Him vertical, we're not to take His name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Now, that's a difficult one for us. And I'm not going to get into a detailed study on the Sabbath. That would be a message in and of itself. But if you went to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, especially chapter 4, you'd find Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. The idea of the Sabbath and rest was to show that we, we, we rest from our work, which was to be a picture ultimately of resting from our works of trying to please God and earn our salvation. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. We rest in Jesus from our works because He has taken care of that for us. So, we keep the Sabbath by being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. By the way, that would mean that every day is a Sabbath uh, for us. It is a holy day. Uh, We keep every day unto the Lord. We keep every day as a day to worship God, to read His Word, and to be in a relationship with Him. He is number one. He is the priority. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. We rest in the work that He's done on the cross. Now, those are the ones that deal with our vertical relationship. If those are intact and kept, then the horizontal relationship will be maintained uh, in a more stable way. And we look at the, the, the horizontal, which would be the next verses, starting with... Uh, verse 12 of Exodus, it's uh, uh, the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. How do you honor your father and your mother? Well, it starts as a child. You have to be obedient. There's a number of cases in the Old Testament that give very graphic pictures of what happened to disobedience uh, children. And uh, the picture that we have here is that we are to honor them, to be obedient to them, to look to them for our direction and to come under their authority. But there's also another aspect of this that Jesus brought out. He condemned uh, the the Hebrew people that were uh, holding back their money from taking care of their parents and and calling it Corban was a word dedicated to God. And so we can't take care of our parents. And he he considered that a terrible sin. And so... Not only do we honor our mother and our father as obedient growing up, but there's a point in time where we are to take care of them, to minister to them, and to take and to meet their needs. So it's a long, it's a lifelong relationship, honoring your mother and your father. The sixth commandment: You shall not murder. Uh, Jesus took it a step further in the Sermon on the Mount. This idea of murder here was what we would call first-degree murder, intentional, premeditated murder. Uh, If you accidentally kill somebody, there were some other, in that 600-plus group of laws, some other laws that applied. But Jesus says that we, if we have something against someone and a sense of hatred or or meanness towards or anger towards someone... uh, that we are murdered them, we actually murder them with our thoughts. So he says it's not just physical. Jesus took it a step further and said it's the way we think about people. 
We are not to murder. We are not to, to harbor ill will towards people, even in our thoughts. Jesus provided uh, ways for us in His teachings to balance that out. If you have something against your brother, uh, then you're to go to your brother and, and work it out. And if necessary, bring in another witness to, to help you. Uh, and the, the other side of it is, is your brother knows that he has something against you, or you know your, your brother has something against you, you're to go to him still. So no matter what, whether you have something against him or you know he has something against you, you're to go and meet and work it out. Shall not commit adultery. And again, Jesus took that a step further in the Sermon on the Mount and the idea that even in your mind you're not to commit adultery. Uh, the sanctity of marriage was extremely important. Is extremely important. You shall not steal, I think, is self-explanatory. Uh, taking anything that's not yours. And uh, I, asked, I had somebody once ask me, uh, this was a number of years ago, does that mean uh, the, the paper clips at the office? Yeah. Theoretically. You know, it, 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 you know, you're taking pencils and paper clips and whatever home from the office. That's a form of stealing. Uh, we're to be above that so that our witness will glorify God in all things that we do. We're not to bear false witness. And basically, that has to do with anything. Not to, be, not to, to lie about anything. That would be a false witness. And so, we don't lie about ourselves. We don't lie about others. We, uh, we, our truth is our, our standard. And then the last is uh, to not covet. Not to covet our neighbor's wife or his stuff, I put here. Uh, synonyms for this idea of covet is we're not to desire, not to hunger or thirst after, we're not to, interesting synonym, we're not to salivate after, uh, we're not to wish for what other people have. So we look at our neighbor's new car and, and we covet, or we look at, at a, a, someone's new home, we covet, or we look at someone's uh, wealth and we covet. These are things that we are to be satisfied with what God has blessed us with where we are. Now, as you look at this, if you're like I am, I uh, come back to this idea, you must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. We, and the way we are perfect is we keep these laws perfectly. I haven't. Neither of you. The reality is that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 makes that clear. And in 6.33 it says, The wages of sin is death in the book of Romans. And so I wrote in my paper here, Help! What am I to do? Well, I'm to rest in Jesus Christ. His perfect life and His perfect sacrifice. Covered sin. He paid in full. And so, I go to Romans and I, and I see this, this picture for me in chapter 10. 
that tells me how to deal with this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him, referring to Jesus, will not be put to shame. If we confess, if we believe, we are saved. We have this picture for us that Jesus Christ is the one that we, we run to. We, if, because we have not been able to keep these rules, these laws, and like I said, if you go into the details of the 600 of them, you'll look at several of them that, we, you know, that, that are possibly chronic problems for, for you. And, and we look at this and we say, help, what can I do? I am undone. God says there's an answer in Jesus Christ. Confess Him with your mouth. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and that He was the one that paid for your sins. And you shall be saved. John put it this way. Let me share with you from the first, first John chapter 1. This is the message we have heard from, the, uh, from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Again, that idea of God's holiness. He's perfect. There is no darkness at all, i.e. there's no touch of sin or hint of sin at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the appropriation for our sins. So as we look at the Ten Commandments in, in Exodus chapter 20, and we look at them and we go over the details of them and we realize, I have failed to keep them, we have this confidence that if we confess our sins to Jesus he is faithful and He is just and He will forgive us our sins. He restores us. I love the, the, this picture in, in, in chapter 2 of 1 John. My children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. An advocate is a lawyer. What it's saying is we have a lawyer before the judge, the Son of God. We, even though are, we're not perfect, we are seen as perfect through Jesus Christ. He is the propitiation. He is the satisfaction. He has covered all our sins. As a result, we are justified in Jesus. And I love that phrase, justified, never sinned. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that we can come to You today and as we look at Your laws of the Old Testament, we realize they're still with us today. 
They're not just because we come under Christ doesn't mean that they have no meaning to us. In fact, they reveal to us who you are. They reveal to us your character and what you see as the as right and what you see as wrong. And so we come to you today, Lord, and ask that you would cause us to study your word in such a way that we would be like those uh, people in in uh, Psalm one. That, that we don't look to the world for your counsel, but we look to your word and that we would meditate on it day and night. And we ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would bring it alive to us with understanding. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that as we have confessed our sins, you have forgiven us and restored us. Cause us to rest in you daily, constantly, at all times. The Savior of our souls the author of our salvation, Jesus Christ. We love You. We worship You. In Jesus' name, Amen.